Welcome back to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad. It incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving our kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and messy stories. In this podcast, we're going to hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. These stories should connect us and allow us to continue to grow into the men fatherhood is calling us to be. I'm excited for you to hear this episode. I had such a fun time hanging out with my good friend, Ricky, and I think that you're going to enjoy just hearing us jump in talking about something we're both passionate about, which is fatherhood. And I want to say thanks so much for listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend. Today, I have my good friend, Ricky Borba. What's up? Dude, it's so good to see you. You too. Um, it was super rad that you came to the book release. Because mm. I know we haven't seen each other in a while just because yeah. life gets full. Yeah. But that you made the effort to come up. Was... I missed your taco party, so I felt guilty. Oh. Like... Well, your wife and kids came to that. They did. Because so I, Virgi- I was in Atlanta. So okay. that's a good excuse, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that was cool that you okay. came up to that. So Ricky and I have known each other for about 10 years now, we kind of met each other in a leadership program and then have stayed connected, hung out, done a few little projects here and there together. Mm-hmm. Um, but a uh, couple stories. One is my embo- most embarrassing moment with Ricky and our friend Ron was Ricky got us on a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first ever time the TV show had been on. Uh-huh. So we all flew to L.A., and we're on the show, but I'm not going to say what it is. You can do your. You might homework. be a redneck if you don't say what it is. We'll just yeah. Let it leave okay. It well, then I'm a redneck. <laughs> and then um, I have a cool story that I don't know that I've really told you. Hmm. But in the book, there's a section where I talk about screaming in my son's face. He just pissed me off one time, and I never, I didn't put this in the book either. Okay. So. <clears throat> I'm standing in Brody's bathroom and I don't remember what happened, but we're like just, you know, two cocks in a hen house going up and up and up. And then I finally just look down on his face and I scream at him like, I don't know, shut up. I think I said shut up or something like that. I said, get in your bed and lay down. And he's probably five or six. Mm -hmm. So he could kick your ass at this point. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably six. So, uh, just my height got him to go to his bed <laughs> and I go sit on the couch and I'm sitting there and you know, when you have that dad moment where you're like, dang it, I was just a total a-hole. Mm-hmm. Ah. And you text me literally minutes later. This is what I didn't put in the book. Hmm. You text me and you're like, you know what, Ned, thinking about you right now, um, you're one of the few men that I know that's a really good dad, mm. you know, cause occasionally you and I would like hit each other up mm-hmm. cause we got a lot of kids and whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I texted you back. I said, well, I feel like a pretty shitty dad right now. I just screamed in my son's face. And you texted back something like, well, you know what? Sometimes a kid might just need that or something to that effect, yeah. right? Like, yeah. dude, don't take yourself too serious. Right. You're not an asshole. And I know that. Right. Dude, it was just, it was like one of those moments. Mm. Dude, it was cool. That's rad. It was rad. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll one up that uh, in a bad way. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> two years ago for my 40th birthday, we go to Disneyland. Yeah, the whole family and I, 
my daughter's 11 at the time. Uh, they were, I have four girls and a wife, so that's five girls in one hotel room. So imagine trying to, you know, you don't have to imagine. I mean, we're getting ready to go to Disneyland. Yeah. It's, we're running late. And I'm in there. I'm like, okay, it's my Let me birth- guess, you were ready. Yeah, I was totally ready. <laughs> like from the minute I woke up, yeah. put some gel in my hair. Yeah. And I'm like, we need to get out of here so we can catch the train and have a good day in Disneyland, blah, blah, blah. And so Kayla, my oldest daughter, was taking a very long time in the shower, longer than I would have liked, right? So I go in there and then Brielle hops in the shower. They're showering together and I hear fighting. So I'm already upset that they're taking a long shower. Now I hear fighting and we're in Disneyland. I'm like, no, we're not going to do it. It's my birthday. We're not going to have that, right? So I go in there. And through the curtain, I'm like, if you guys don't knock it off, and then some idle threat, right? Like, we're going to turn the car around kind of a thing, right? And I walk out of there, and um, they continue fighting. So I hear the water turn off. They put their towels on, and they're fighting again. I'm like, I'm over it. So I walk in there, and I pull the curtain back. I'm like, knock it off! And I, like, lean in with my pointer finger. Kayla flinches backwards, hits her head in the shower, knocks herself out. So Kayla is now knocked out in the shower. Her hands are like turning in like because when you get knocked out, your muscles contract. I'm holding her wet, toweled body, looking at her like, you're such an idiot. Like, you you are an idiot. Like, And when you say you're an idiot. Me, talking to me. (laughs) And so I carry Kayla to the bed and she comes to... And she's like, what happened? And I'm like, I got mad at you and I yelled and you backed out of the way. And I've never, ever, ever hit my kids ever. But I was like, knock it off. And I'm, you know, lean in kind of a thing. Well, I spank my kids. I've never hit them out of anger yeah. is what I should say. And um, she's like, what happened? I'm like, I got upset at you and I raised my voice and you flinched back and knocked yourself out. And uh, uh, Nikki was not happy about that. I'm sure. <laughs> Kayla was not happy about that. <laughs> Brielle and Raylan were not happy about they that. They all bandwagoned together, <laughs> yeah. dude. Caden was like eight months old, so he didn't really understand what was going on. So he's my boy. <laughs> but to this day, two years later, it, we have a running joke. If I just walk up to Kayla and I say, I'm sorry, Kayla. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. She goes, it's okay, Dad. You didn't mean to. <laughs> like For the rest of her life, she'll be, I'll walk up to her and I'll say, I'm sorry, Kayla. And she knows. So, So that's the thing. What I think, I mean, just jumping into, not a lot of dads, I shouldn't say that. I think the stereotypical idea is that most men wouldn't go apologize. Mm -hmm. After I got that text, after I calmed down from you, I got up, Brody come out of bed, got down on my knees. Mm -hmm. So I'm eye level, dude, I was wrong. Yeah. Like you, you disobeyed or whatever, you lied or whatever, but I, my action was wrong. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And you immediately went from you know being more pissed yeah. to oh man yeah. i'm freaking moron yeah which is what we should be doing mm-hmm. right is just being honest yeah totally yeah. and i think if it's like i apologize every day and then i scream again in your face tomorrow then i'm a lunatic and sure. i've got problems mm-hmm. but if it's like we're humans we mess up and we fix it and it's not it's, it's all good yeah so okay so those are a couple great stories mm-hmm. um so let's just build a little framework around who's sitting in front of me. Okay. Okay. One, a handsome man. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so how old are you? 41. 41. Yeah, 42 in a few months. Nice. And how long have you been married? 18 together 20. I'll try and uh, edit that to be a shorter response. Thanks. No, you, <laughs> I'm going to make it longer if you ask me again. Then I'm going to pull out my phone, tap it, do the math. Um, 
Okay, so 19 years? 18 married, 20 together. Okay. And then you have how many children? Five. Five. I wanted to copy you. I met you. By the way, I know pre-beard Ned. Ooh, pre-beard. Yeah, so all these pictures hanging up in here, like without your beard, that are people like, oh, is that you? No, that's how I know you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so five, just like you. And the same also four girls and a boy, just like you. Yep, four girls and a boy. Mm -hmm. Yours are are, um, a little bit smarter spread than us. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. I mean, 13 to 10 months is... Is fun. Home. Okay, so you got a 13-year-old and... 11. 11. 7. Caden's 2. Isley is 10 months old. So your boy is 2. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then are you done? Yeah, I got snipped on February 6th and flew to the Philippines on February 10th. 16-hour flight. Not fun. Not recommended after you just get snipped. <laughs> Little shout out to uh, <laughs> Philippine Airlines for that one. <laughs> Sitting like this. <laughs> just like for crammed. 16 hours <laughs> your legs are squishing your nuts together there's not enough morphine on earth <laughs> so did you have a good vasectomy i'm interrupting this important conversation that you probably just started getting into with a big announcement during the month of november and the beginning of december 2019 i need your help and this is all hands on deck I've created a daily journal designed to help dads like you and I stay focused on being the engaged and intentional fathers we desire to be. Do you ever feel like I do sometimes, like you're not cutting it, you're not hitting the mark as a father? Well, my hope is that this journal would be one tool that could help you get there. But it will not come to market unless it is funded. We are doing this through a crowdfunding website where it's all or nothing. So please go to our Instagram or Facebook at Rebel and Create and follow links to our Kickstarter campaign for the Fatherhood Legacy Journal. Or you can go to kickstarter.com and in the search put in Fatherhood Legacy Journal or Rebel and Create Fatherhood Legacy Journal and it'll pop up and we need your help. So please buy a journal for yourself, for a friend, or for a dad that you know. We would so appreciate it because we believe fatherhood matters and we're doing all we can to spread the word and create tools that will help support dads everywhere. And now back to that important conversation you were just getting into. Well, I don't know because I've only ever had one, but I'll okay. tell you, I'll tell you I'll, it's the most humbling experience in your life because there's a male guy doing the snip and there's yeah. a female nurse in there. You're totally exposed. And look, we're going to get real, real intimate really fast right now. So there, you know, he's, he comes in, they do the iodine and stuff like that. And she, she looks at me, she goes, you didn't shave well enough. So she <laughs> takes like, like imagine you're pinching your fingers, like your, your thumb and your, yeah, like yeah. she just grabs it with her two fingers. Crab hands. Yeah. Yeah. Crab <laughs> hands. She grabs my, my thing and she moves it to the side. And then she Up starts, over your shoulder. She, yeah. Okay. Go on. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's on the floor <laughs> over my shoulder. She moves it to the side. She just starts shaving. Dry, dry shaving. <laughs> just and she's shaving like no, like she's just holding it and she's shaving and then she's done and she walks away and I'm looking at, at this room and I'm like, is this real life right now? Is this? Did really I die? Yeah. Am I in hell? And then the guy comes in and he's like, he, you know, he's like, okay, well, you shaved good enough now and he moves your junk again. And then he gets the scissors out and you're watching this and I'm like, oh my god, I'm watching this dude. Then he pulls this white looking spaghetti thing out. And he <laughs> snips it and carterizes it. You know, and my mom passed away two years ago. And I'm like, Mommy, come in here. Please help me. Mommy, Mom. I was like, I'm so scared. So scared. Oh, but, my gosh. Yeah. And then you fly to the Philippines. And that was not fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my story is similar, but I didn't fly to the Philippines. Mm. But similar. Similar on the... On the nurse, over your shoulder. The nurse shape. No. It almost reached my belly button. Oh, but. that'll work. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. Um, <laughs> all right. So, five kids. No more possible 
most likely. 0.02%, I think, is it? Um, Okay, what do your kids call you? Have there been any names that your kids have called you? My oldest one... For whatever reason, and she doesn't. It's not like she calls me this all the time. Like in public, I would shoot her. But like when we're at home and stuff, she calls me die. Come die. here, die, die. Because she talks like a baby. Because we have babies, so yeah. she calls me die. <laughs> Brielle, my my second uh, oldest, uh, she went through a phase where she called me Ricky, which oh, I yeah. thought was awesome. Oh, you thought it was funny? Oh, totally. Oh, man, that's yeah. funny because I would be like, "No way, you will call yeah. me dad." Yeah. And then um, uh, Raylan calls me daddy. And dad, which I think at some point I'm not going to let my kids call me daddy because it's been so sexualized. I don't want to be called mm. daddy. Like, let's not do that in public. Yeah. Uh, and then Caden, my son, calls me dada. And then Isley copies, because she's 10 months old now, she copies him and I and I get dada from her too. That's cool. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. And I do love, you know, when they're young and they call you daddy. It's like so yeah, sweet. And the then best. as it grows up, you know, like Brooklyn's in the stage, you know, like it's changing where... I got to kiss her on the cheek now. I was just going to say, I was just going to ask you, do you kiss your daughters on the lips still? Because I still do. I would, but Brooklyn's not into it. So she's 13. So I'm trying to learn how to respect Mm. what's important to her. Yeah. um, As far as like what she's going to do with her physical body. In that sense of like, I don't want to make her uncomfortable. No, yeah. My girls are, uh, yeah, if they were uncomfortable, I would stop too. But thankfully my girls are still cool with it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Yeah, my 11 year old, she's cool with it, but... She just started middle school this week, so we'll see, you know, yeah. what happens. But, um, okay, so you do have to provide for your family. Yeah. And what is it that you go and do every day? I'm a film director, and so we're talking in August of 2019, and I just directed in the last 10 months two films that will be out this Christmas. One definitely in theaters. The other one we're hoping, uh, one's called My Brother's Crossing, shot that in Virginia in May and June. The other one is called The Talking Tree. Shot that in Roseville and Auburn and Sacramento in November and December of last year. Dude, that's exciting. Yeah. I mean, I have to do other things to pay the bills, but it's good. feels good to say that I'm a film director now. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, as long as I've known you, you've been working towards this. Yeah. And made a ton of sacrifices to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and God just provided a way to do it. Like, I, I felt from a very early age, God was calling me to be in film, whether it was in front of or behind the camera. And then in 2010, 2011, I had this really vivid dream about what God called me to do and to stay on the course. And I did. And now finally in 2018 and 19, I'm finally starting to see those things from my dream, like verbatim happen as they did in my dream, which has been pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah. That's exciting. Yep. Um, Do your kids like that? That's your job? They do because I put them in my movies. Okay. So they like... as you edit a movie, like the uh, the the editor will, he's like, hey, I edited scene fifty eight and fifty nine today. He'll email it to me. I'll take a look at it. And so, like when he emailed me my daughter scenes, I call my daughters in the room, and they're like, oh, dad, so cool. Can I send that to all my friends on Snapchat? Of course you can. So they sent their little scene to their friends. That's and cool. They uh, the movies I did. I mean, I'm not bragging at all. It's just it's really fun to say because I'm bragging and what God's done through me. Uh, thankfully, my movies have had real Hollywood talent, like recognizable actors that you mm. watch in movies and TV shows. So it's cool for my kids to be in scenes with those people because then they go to their school and they tell their friends, "Hey, look at yeah." You know, I'm like, I love it for them. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been fun. And then, <clears throat> just since we're kind of on that, I guess, how do you how do you balance out? Cause I mean, it probably pulls you a lot, yeah. you know, to be away for a little bit of a season and being back with your family. How do you kind of balance that? Yeah. When I'm, when, when I'm on a set, I mean, I, I have less than 15 minutes a day with my family FaceTime Yeah, like, because I'm on set seven in the morning and it's 12 hours shooting, but then I'm there after. So 
when I get back to the hotel room or whatever, I'm 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 wiped. Yeah. It's a very mind intense. Just all your energy. Yeah, all my energy. So I'll get on FaceTime for 15 minutes. So you know, but the movies I do right now currently are you know 17, 18 day shoots. Got it. So okay, it'd be like dad going on a business trip to Singapore for two weeks. You can yeah. deal with that. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be gone for three or four months without my family. But yeah. You know, on a movie set, that's how it goes. Dad's got a FaceTime. And we have a good time on FaceTime and they know that when I get back, I'm back. Because when I get back, I'm able to take a breather and yeah. like literally do nothing. Um, and I, I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but it just came to my mind. I'm like, yeah, I should actually mention this. Uh, this year, 2019, it wasn't intentional. But one of the things I stopped doing altogether was playing video games. Oh, really? Yeah, I was a huge gamer. I had a TV show where I, I traveled the country interviewing people about video games, celebrities and whatnot. And I mean, I... I don't even want to think about how many hours I spent a year playing video games. I haven't played a video game since January 1st. On New Year's Day, I played Red Dead Redemption 2, had a blast, and then I just got thinking, I'm like, man, what if I put all this time into something else? And not that I have, not that I've been focused on like, oh, I'm going to learn the drums, but all that extra time playing video games, I've worked and done other things, and, and I think that's provided opportunity. So, I mean, there's a cool Star Wars game coming out in November that one of the lead actors in this film I shot in Virginia, he's one of the main characters. I'm going to play that. I love Star Wars. I'm not done playing video games, but... Um, it's just I, not the same level. It, it's not the same level. I mean, I have five kids now, and I'm, I, I want to direct more films. Like, yeah. if I'm sitting on my couch at 7 o'clock playing a game for two hours, I f- feel guilty now. Right. So I'm just done with it. And it's and I haven't missed it, to be honest with you. I have not missed it. That's cool. Yeah. Well, that kind of... Um, well, let me ask another question first, and then we'll jump into that. Um, what has been the best resource to you as a dad? Man, uh, you asked me that, and I I suck at reading. I, I So then let me ask this. Yeah. If your friend mm-hmm. was having their first kid, what would you tell them? Is like, hey, here's, an, here's, here's a little bit of wisdom, or mm-hmm. here's... Okay, here's well, I love... There's a couple pastors out there that I love listening to that talk like you and I talk. Mm-hmm. They're not afraid to like gangsters. Yeah, you know they cuss, they they talk about <laughs> the good stuff, and like they're my they're my people. I say right. So there's a couple pastors I listen to their podcasts that from time to time they'll talk about fatherhood, and I'll be like, oh, that's a really good thing. So that's number one. I don't read. I've read two books in my life. I've just for me as as a, one of those was mine, right? Yes, yeah, six times because <laughs> I couldn't understand a fucking word in it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was what, upside down. What is oh oh, <laughs> oh it's upside the down. problem. Yeah. And then I read it from from back to front I'm like why did why did he start off with the ending? Like this is crazy. So um no, so I have a couple podcasts I listen to, but I would tell a new dad like this you can't beat this when it comes to fatherhood and it's quality time. Mm. It's just quality time. Like playing video games is not quality time. Uh going to the movies together is not quality time. Sitting down with your daughter, playing Barbies, or drawing with her, or asking her questions, being engaged with her, no phone, you know, quality time, I think, is the best method to raise your children right. And I will go to my grave for that, because in, you know, I'm a filmmaker now, but before that, I used to travel the country with this um, program with K-Love and Air One, and it was uh, a middle school, high school program, and it was all about, like, following your dreams, and, and staying positive, and don't be discouraging to yourself, and at the end of every assembly... You know, up to 2,000 kids sometimes, they, they they wouldn't have to. But if they wanted to win a laptop, they'd have to write two paragraphs about who they are. Mm. And, how, and ugh, eight out of ten, no dad. My dad doesn't say good things to me. I live with my grandma. Everybody tells me I can't, I can't, I can't. And I'm like, man, in my mind, it's 80% of the kids out there are being told they suck or their dad isn't telling them anything. And I'm like, this. I have a question for you, by the way, which I'm going to get to. Like, 
I feel like my kids are the way they are, which I think my kids are great because of the quality time. I don't get it right every time. I mean, I just shared a story about knocking my daughter out at Disneyland. Like, I don't get it right all the time, but I spend quality time with my kids. I engage with them. When I'm with them, I'm with them. Yeah. Like, work stops, phone stops. Yep. It doesn't matter. So quality time. So I, this is my question to you. And you've said this to me a lot. And I want to know from your opinion, not to toot my own horn, but because from the outside looking in, it's different than me looking at it. You've told me multiple times you think I'm a good dad. Mm-hmm. Why? What do you see? See, and I'll edit this shorter to, to make it so you... Well, I want to give a good answer. Yeah. Yeah, um, go. I think it's that you care. So one, that you care. Two, that you're paying attention. That you're in tune. So those are all kind of things that seem so freaking easy, mm-hmm. right? You could be poor living wherever, or yeah. you could be rich living wherever. We all got the same amount of time, and we all have the same amount of energy, if we're taking care of ourselves, like we all wake up with energy. And like you're saying, it doesn't even have to be that I plan this epic trip to Disneyland. Right. I think that's great and fun, but that is just not possible for everybody. No. Nope. Right? We, we, yeah. And, and I think too much of the time we copy other people. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's are you trying to be intentional and in tune with your kids? And I see that you do that. So you make time to walk over to the park. It's not a burden, right? Like so many of us, yeah. we kind of joke that. Because your wife works, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And and I know that over the years I've seen you be a, a stay at home or stay at home and work. work and yeah, I work from home. Work from home, but, but be with your kids and, and kind of take care of a lot of the, some of the household chores a yeah. lot, right? Mm-hmm. Mr. And, Mom. Yeah. Michael Keaton. And it you've never acted like it's just a pain in your ass. It drives me crazy when dads use the term babysitting for their kids. I can't today. I have to babysit my kids. Yeah. What? You get to hang out with your kids. Be with but your kids. babysitting you're, you're is a term you use for a 13-year-old girl that's going to watch your kids for two hours while you and Sarah go to the movies. Right. You can't look at it like that. Right. I'm just curious because you say – because I, if you, if you were to ask me, Ricky, what makes you think that I'm a good dad, I would say the same things. Like I know your social media life isn't bullshit. I know that you're yeah. not posting fake stuff. So when I see you post pictures of you and Brody walking to Hidden Falls or you and your daughters doing stuff – that's legit. You're not doing that for the likes or because you're trying to portray an image. I've seen you be intentional with your kids. I've yeah. seen you. I've seen you correct your kids. Um, you know, before you moved to this house, we hung out a little bit more, as you said at the beginning of this thing. And I've seen you interact with your wife and your kids. And I think for me, you're the same way. You're intentional. Like you get it. Like I, if I'm going to be with my kids right now, I'm going to be with my kids. Yeah. Every, the world needs to stop when you're with your kids, yeah. and I see that about you too. You're not. It's- a, yeah. It takes work though. It does. Dude, I've had to train myself to like mm-hmm. stop thinking about work, mm-hmm. to put this down and go, hey, this will all be here tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Um which I know you do too and it's that constant it's that constant kind of reflection, like looking in the mirror at myself, am I who I want to be? Yeah. And that's what Rebel and Create is about. That's what this podcast is about because I'm a normal ass dad, right? I I have a you job. You have a nice ass though. Well, thank you. It's not a normal ass. Okay. I would say it's a nice ass. I'm an average Joe then. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. So we're just normal dudes. This is possible for anybody. And do I do it right every time? No. But that's the that's the point of it too is life is messy. Mm-hmm. My kids should see that totally. life is messy and yeah. not pretend like everything's so perfect all the time. Right. And let my kids fail. Yeah. And let them see me fail and show them how I respond to it. So I think that that's what this is all about is um, that's what intentionality is. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Is, and it's a journey. It, it, it absolutely is. I mean, I would like to think that 10 years ago, because I have a 13-year-old, so when she was three, that I'm I'm probably different with my two-year-old son now than I was with Kayla, because I've learned right. a few things. Right. 
we're never going to be perfect, but I'll tell you, my kids really appreciate the quality time. Yeah. Like I notice when I'm working too much because my seven-year-old will be nagging on my shirt every four seconds. Even if I just spent 20 minutes with her intentionally uh, engaged with her, I'll go back to my desk. She'll be right back at my shirt. Dad, can we do this? And I'm like, okay, that's a problem because she's craving me to be in her space that much, I, I need to figure out why. And then I'll yeah. go back and be like, yeah, because I've been at my desk for 80 hours this week. Yeah. Which, it's seasons. Yeah, and seasons. I don't beat myself up about it. Right. But at the end of the day, a new father, I would say, hey, man, look, you're going to have this beautiful thing that's going to be this bundle of selfishness. From the moment they're born, they need to be fed and changed and wiped and all that stuff until they're out of the house. They're selfish because they have to be. They have to learn this from you. So why not give them your best? Mm. And I'm with you about like seeing letting your kids see you mess up. Like... I know people who who would tell me that they've grown up in a perfect home, and then I look at their life and I'm like, there, a there is no perfect home, but b I wonder how your marriage was the first argument you had with your husband if you grew up in a perfect home. It's not realistic for the mom and dad to go in a bedroom and argue every time they're upset, because then my daughters, if we, if Nikki and I did that, if we went in a bedroom and argued quietly every time we got upset, and my daughters never saw us, you know, go like this uh, once in a while, my daughter would get into marriage thinking, oh, married people don't fight. Right. And then as soon as she had a fight, she'd be like, oh my gosh, something's wrong with me. Right. So, I mean, for me, it's, I'm totally on board with that. I even say this and this, like the older generation, the baby boomers, they give me like a stank eye when I say this, but I want my daughter's hearts broken. I don't Hmm. want them to marry the first guy they date. Like I don't want them to go to church and marry the first guy they meet at church. That's wonderful. I want their hearts broken. I want them to go through a couple breakups and I'm not saying to go. That's interesting. I've never heard that. Why? Well, okay, so I'm not saying I want my daughters to go, like, lose their virginity and do that whole thing. Right. But, you know, you and I both are church-going guys and stuff like that. Like, I feel like in the church culture, when girls date a boy, like, that's that. They date this boy, and then he's the one, daddy, he's the one, and they don't know any different. They don't know if Chad and his problems are are harder to deal with or easy to deal with if she was dating James. So I want my daughters to know what it's like to have a guy that's not awesome. I don't want him to be a jerk. But I want my daughters to know, okay, that relationship didn't work out because of these reasons. And now I'm in this relationship. So to have a little bit of experience. Yes. I I want that for my kids because I know too many people. I think that's healthy, I guess, is to not paint this picture of like, okay, save yourself till you're 19 and then you'll meet a boy at church or wherever and then get married. Right. Yeah. It's not. I mean, that's what I did and it worked out. Good for you. But actually I did. I mean, I I was sad a few times. So so that's, I guess that's not true for me. And it doesn't just go for the church crowd either. Like I just, I'm all for having life experiences. Yeah. And and so this is, you know, it's the only way we learn. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a dad that's going to talk to my kids about hard things. So when they have the breakup with Tony, I'm going to take Kayla and say, Hey, let's go grab a burger. And talk about what happened. Well, he said this and I did this. Okay, what did you learn from that? Yeah. Okay, so now when you're going to be ready to date again, what are you going to look for in your neck? That's what I want. Um, so I don't know how we got on that, but I, th- I for me, like I just, I, I decided a while about- ago, I want my girls to have experiences dating. Hmm. I, don't, I don't want them to marry the first guy they date. Are you? When are you going to let them date? Well, I mean, I'm not going to not tell them they can't go to junior prom and senior prom. So probably around that time, I think. 16 if they have good grades and stuff like that i'd be okay with them going on a on a date where they're home at like a very specific time i would meet the boy 6 30 yeah (laughs) yeah they could leave at 6 (laughs) 15 be back at 6 30 i mean i'm crazy i want to talk to the boy's parents i want to know what kind of car he's driving like i'm gonna be that dad yeah and dude hell yeah yeah i mean 16 to me is is fair this one dude i know he told me that if a boy asks for your number 
that you can say yes, but here's my dad's number and you have to call him first mm-hmm. just to show that you're respectable enough I love it. that you would call, you have the balls to call mm-hmm. and say, you know, yeah. my name's Ricky and I would like to be your daughter's friend. Yeah. Like, I think that's rad. And Absolutely. if you don't have enough courage to do that, that's I feel good like character. that would be totally. cool. I if, love that. Yeah. Whoever said that's a genius. I love that. Yeah. My, oh, go ahead. No, no, we just, we haven't really set dates for our kids. Mm. We've kind of just said it's you're a little kid. bit different. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, not that you did either, but you're kind of saying generally Kayla, my 13 year old, I mean, she's a lawyer. Like from age three, we knew that she was like driven, that kind of a thing. So I think at 16, Brielle, my artist who like picks flowers in the field during soccer games, like yeah. probably not, you know, she yeah. probably needs it because Brielle is still playing with her Shopkins dolls and she's almost 12 and Kayla never played with that stuff. So you, you that's just have funny. To, that's how, that's, that's really similar. Do you say yeah. your kid's name on here? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah Brooklyn, Brooklyn Violet. Violet. Yeah. yeah. Those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny how kids are so different. Okay. So this is all such good stuff. Just jumping into oh, it. Good. So one of the questions that I like to ask is based around rebel and create. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> rebel and create funny enough is when you got here, we were talking about it. Yeah. I had an artist do that his work. name's down here uh-huh joshua lepley yep a little shout out six years ago i didn't even know what i was going to use it for yeah. just rebel and create had become this thing for me you helped me build a website i didn't know what i was going to do with it and then mm-hmm. you know six years later i i here's a book that i did in the podcast but rebel against the expectations that either you allow the world to be put on you or mm-hmm. that you put on yourself yeah and you could apply it to a lot of things in the book which you won't read i go through a lot of like each chapter is to rebel against this to create that so it's like don't rebel just for the sake of being rebellious mm-hmm. but tear down the walls tear down the things and then what are you going to create yeah what are you going to create out of that that's a value that it's like mastering the craft of fatherhood mm-hmm. and fatherhood isn't just being a dad to kid right it's more than that so what's something that you're currently rebelling against uh, it's a broad big thing okay. but i i think it, i'm rebelling against the notion that if you've not had an awesome upbringing that you're destined to not give your kids an awesome mm. upbringing so kind of a victim mentality but but based on you know yeah, your like your parents deciding to not overcome your adversity like mm. woe is me my dad was an alcoholic not my my dad was not alcoholic but in an example my dad was an alcoholic so and, i am or what or not even that but just you know i really didn't have a good father so how can you expect me to be a good mm. father darla like no that doesn't work like we're all capable of reading books and watching things online now and talking to people who are better at things than we are to learn that and so i've rebelled against like my dad, his dad, and his dad, three men on down, on up, I should say, three men on up, not the greatest fathers. Uh, for, and my dad now, awesome, love him. Like things are a lot different now than we were growing up. But I think my dad would also admit during my formative years, not that he was not the greatest example of a father. He wasn't mm. there very much, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't need to go into detail. But so I just decided, and I remember, I oh, mean, it's so crazy the things you remember vividly in your life. But <clears throat> I was probably 18, 19 at my grandparents' house. I was living there at the time. And I told my grandma, I'm like, you know, we were talking about kids and stuff. I'm like, you know, grandma, I promise you my kids aren't going to be brats. Like whoever was there that day, I think it was mm. my grand- grandma's sister's daughter's kids. They were Some just brats. being hellions, right? And my grandma's like, oh, these kids are driving me crazy. And I'm like, I'm telling you right now at 19, however old I was, I'm not going to let my kids be like that. And my grandma looked at me in the face and she goes, you have no idea what you're talking about. You'll wait, you'll see. And you're going you're gonna to come back to me and tell me that you were wrong about all this. I'm like, no, you're, you're, and sure enough, a few years ago, my grandma pulls me aside. She's like, I remember that conversation. No way. And she goes, I, I have to hand it to you. Your kids are amazing. And they're her favorite. So, uh, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I just, 
I decided to, uh, yeah. right out of moving out of my my dad's house, and when my parents were divorced when I was sixteen, I I decided if I was going to die, the one thing I was going to do right was be a good dad. Like I'm going to screw up being a husband, a business owner, a friend. Like I'm going to screw all those things up. I do not want to screw up being a dad. Okay, so two things. One, you can't have any excuse for that, right? So you said business, even mess, you know, some things with my marriage, whatever, whatever, yeah. right? I'll I'll accept you making some excuses about all that. Yeah. But if you fail your kids, zero excuse. Right. What do you gonna say? What what who's who's at fault? Your boss? Like yeah. you, no, your wife. It's even, all no, you. it's all you as a dad. Like yep. you are the head of the household. I'm, this doesn't even need to be a biblical thing. You are literally the head of the household as the father. Like when you walk in the room, it's a different vibe when dad walks in than mom walks in. That's just that's just how it is. And what I would say is when when we hear head of household, sometimes we think the king or the leader. No. Dude, you're the servant, bro. Yeah, you show totally. up and you submit to serving Absolutely. those kids and those the people. wife and the wife. One hundred percent. Because I want my daughters to marry a guy that hopefully is one hundred percent like me, but close enough like me to how I treated their mom. Probably <laughs> a little taller. Uh, no, I, I I want my girls to look at me and be like, my dad treated my mom right, even yeah. though they argued and stuff like yeah. that. And I want my girls to go after that. When it, when it he they argued, but he he wasn't prideful, right? Mm. Or if he was out of line, which I've been like once, I think I think I've been out of line once. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. You know, when yeah. my dad was out of line, he he went back and made it right. Yeah, yeah. Like. For there sure. was Hershey kisses on the bed or there was like a note for mom yeah. or, you know, all of a sudden on Friday night they had an impromptu date they went on or something like that. Like that means something to your kids because at this age now, your kids too, they notice. Dude, my daughter walked in our room <clears throat> Uh-oh. Um, just two nights ago, dude, and lights were on, you know, our door was open, come on in yeah. and Sarah's just just s- sitting there and I was rubbing her foot. Uh-huh. Just We're just talking like before, before the night was kind of ending, you know, mm-hmm. and uh Brooklyn walked in and then she's like, she asked her question and as she walked out, she's like, you're a good husband to mom. And I, and I was like, I do this every night, which was not true, but (laughs) that's so, but dude, like that, like I spend weeks and weeks planning a camping trip, right? Whatever. Yeah. That just 30 seconds of what you would think is meaningless. That's the thing that's teaching them. Mm -hmm. Cause she's gonna walk out of the room, and that's gonna be her expectation. And she'll that like I was remembering that conversation with my grandma. Brooklyn will remember that for the rest of her life. Yeah, that's a that's a watershed moment for her. And the hope is that that's the norm. Yeah, right. The hope is that that's what they're seeing regularly. So for her to acknowledge it was pretty rad. As yeah. like a thirteen year old to go. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna look for. That's really and cool. I screw up all the time. But okay, so it made me think of two things. Uh, the second thing, your story of what you're rebelling against. So eighteen nineteen. And this is a theme that I'm trying to pull out. Are you talking about me or I'm you? I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. So you said at 18, 19, you told your grandma, I'm going to raise good kids. Yes. So what was it that made you do that? This is what I'm trying to pull out of anybody is because the most stories you might hear is, uh, you know, I got a girl pregnant at 19 and I split. So you just said you go to a school, 2000 kids there, 80% of them writing on there. My, who's my dad? Where is he? What's he doing? He's not around. He's a dick. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the real statistics, but. I feel like I feel like the world would look different if more dads were engaged and a lot of the I mean the dudes on here listening we all mess up right but we're all engaged we're intentional I want to get this continue to get out to dudes who are like on the fence like who am I what am I doing yeah because you can all the things that you and I want as a man to be loved respected all those things can come from loving our families totally 
and we look for them in other places. So if you're 18, 19, you don't have a good necessarily example. Maybe your parents get divorced at 16, you Mm -hmm, said. mm -hmm. How do you not just do the, yeah, my parents got divorced and my dad was whatever. I'm just, that's why I am. What was the thing? Well, number one, because it fucked me up big time. Like when What did? My parents divorced. Like Mm. number one, out of the gate, being 16 year old when your parents split up, first day of sophomore year, majorly. Oh, but... But um, kids are really resilient and kids are really right. strong. Yeah, right? no, that doesn't, it doesn't bother them, bother right? Them. Yeah, uh-uh, not yeah. at all. No, I mean, I literally don't remember my sophomore year of high school other than one day I went on a golf tournament with my uncle who played for the 49ers. That is the only day of my sophomore year I remember. Just it was such, such turmoil. Such turmoil, so much stress. My sister Was it ugly? Was it like a kind oh, of ugly Oh, so divorce? ugly. Mm. So ugly. So number one, I, I, I did not want my kids to go through that. That that was number one. Maybe that does pertain and maybe it doesn't. But number one, I was like, I'm not going to put my kids through that. Therefore... Did you know, I mean, at 16 years old, were you thinking I'm going to have kids one day? Oh, I, I wanted kids. My mom tells me that when I was little, instead of going outside to play with my brothers and sister, uh, I would be in the house talking to my mom about like, the baby I saw at the mall that day. Like, mm. I had a, like Would you three... be holding a doll when you were yeah, no, having that conversation? Not, uh, a pink doll? <laughs> is it called a... Yeah, no. My mom just said I was very, very in love with babies from the, the moment That's I was... That's cool. Which I've my son is. babies, Yeah, too. which and my son, my, by the way. My kid does, too. I mean, we had Isley when Caden was 16, 14, 15 months old. he was stoked. We took him to the hospital. Uh, I, he, from the first nanosecond, he walked in the room, kissing her, hugging her, looking at her. He knew, like, I, and that's how I imagine myself to be. So, heck yeah. And you know what, dude? We make a joke, like I make a joke about holding the doll, but yeah. that's because we're idiots. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is, is that's how we should be. Yeah. Like, that's manly to want to. That's you're making life. Yeah. That's a big deal. Oh, totally. And and you know, I don't know what the right word is for this. It's not prideful, but it maybe be in that vein a little bit. But I wanted to provide for my kids what I didn't have. And I had, as opposed to what I'm giving my kids, this is a crazy like dichotomy. Growing up, we were super rich. We lived next door to MC Hammer in Mission San Jose, California, uh, which is in Fremont. Like I had it all. I had really? A, oh my God. That. Gigantic house. Like I opened my mouth and before I finished the sentence of what I wanted, like there was no Amazon back then, but pretend there was Amazon would have delivered it before my sentence was finished. Like we were had, you the only child? No, one. Of, I was the oldest of four. I'm now the oldest of five. When my dad got remarried, um, he had a daughter on on my birthday, actually. So we share a birthday. But uh, we were super rich, but the family life was no bueno. Like my huh. mom and dad just weren't good and all yeah. that stuff. So so for me, my wife and I are not in that vein of being wealthy. And I, I want with, people to, With money. Yeah, with money. Because even as a film director, like I'm not Steven Spielberg. I'm not you know Christopher Nolan. I'm Ricky Borba, who lives in Sacramento. Like who the heck knows what I do for a living? Nobody. Yeah. So, uh, but- I decided I, I would, I wanted to give my kids what I didn't have, and what I was craving was like, I wanted to see my parents get along first of all, and then second of all, I wanted to hang out with my dad. Hmm. I wanted to hang out with my mom. Worked late nights as a loan officer. I wanted to hang out with my mom. My dad coached my little team, league team one year. That was so fun. Hmm. But I wanted to, I wanted to give my kids what I didn't have, and so my uncle, the football player, because we just mentioned him, I'll mention him again. Uh, he, I remember him telling me. This one time he says, sometimes you learn what to do from your parents and sometimes you learn what not to do from Mm. your parents. And look, I'm not throwing my parents under the bus. Like, I love my dad. I loved my mom before she passed away. Like, I love my parents. This is not at all. But I think they would both admit that, you know, they made some mistakes as we all have. So I wanted to give my kids something different than I had. And I wanted to give them... That was... Go ahead. Yeah, stability 
and I wanted to give them intentional time. Time. And so yeah. I knew from 16 when my parents split, I'm like, I love kids. I want to have kids. I wanted six. We have five. So, you know. That's funny, dude. Yeah. And I just decided I wanted to I wanted to have kids and I wanted to do it right. And I didn't even know what that meant. I just knew that I was not going to let my kids scream and tantrum in the toy store at two years old and then make them quiet by giving them a toy. When I see parents do that, I want to go over there and rip the toy out of the kid's hand and tell the parent, be better. Like, that's just. And we've all been there. Yeah. It's like my, my kids have been turds in the store. Mm-hmm. Like, I've just, all right, let's go. We're out. Totally. You know. Um, and that's appropriate. Handing him a toy to be quiet is not a good solution. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, man, I still, and I love, you know, okay. your answer. Let's get deeper then. Your answer. And maybe there isn't something. That's the thing I wonder is, is it just because everybody in our whole life is full of crossroads? I mean, if we're going to get a little egotistical, like I want my kids to be the shining star in their class. I want them to be the kid that the other kids look up to and be like, wow, blank Borba is just a leader. Even if they're not a leader to many, they're, they're, they have leadership qualities. They do their work. They finish it on time. If they tell you they're going to do something, they do it. And I want other kids and teachers and things like that to know that my kids are set apart. Why? Because I don't think that happens very often when I turn on as a filmmaker, when I turn on my TV and I, and I go on the internet, I see these quote unquote role models these kids have these days. And I'm sure every generation says that. I'm sure the, the Don Rickles of the world in the 50s said, I can't believe these guys in the 70s. But yeah. I, I look at the role models right now with the, and then you have the instant access to them, Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. And my daughters can hop on and see what Ariana Grande had for dinner eight minutes ago. Like it's dangerous. So I want my kids to know and to be different and set apart from that because there's depth in being someone of character yeah but what i like what i like what you're saying is it's not because when people drive by and see your family that you're the perfect family no it's that you see value in intentional character Mm -hmm. and it's possible even though everyone's like well all kids are going to do that and all people are going to do that we're all going to make mistakes, yeah. but let's not use that as a crutch. So f- rewind back to 19, just a little bit more. Is there, was that an idea then though? That wasn't an idea then. No, I, okay. Well, this isn't going to answer your question, but I, I do know that I remember this. I knew at an uh, early age, I was not going to be afraid to punish my kids. I was hmm. not going to be afraid to spank them. I was not going to be afraid to scold them. I was not. Where'd you learn that from? Well, I got it too much. Oh, okay. So it was like we lived in fear kind of a thing. Gotcha. And so that doesn't work either. Uh, the One of the greatest things I learned at William Jessup when I was there was um, there's four University. types of parents. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's four types of parents. The two that I'll talk about, there's either authoritative or authoritarian. Authoritarian is like just you're a prick like Mussolini the whole time. Mm. Authoritative is the one you want to be is like when it's appropriate, you need to be. And then there's two other types we don't need to mention right now because it's not relevant. But... Um, at 19, I just knew that I wasn't going to let my kids get away with the kind of shit that I saw my friends getting away with mm. and my friend's parents who, who had friends and stuff. I, I just knew that when my kids messed up, I was not going to be afraid to get in there and be like, Hey, that's not okay. Like yeah. you can't do that. Do you tell them why? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's biblical and sometimes it's just don't be an asshole. Yeah. I was just digging back at the, at the 19 thing. Yeah. And maybe it's maybe, maybe, maybe there isn't an answer for it. You know, and, and I don't know why some of us do the things we do and why we don't. We, I think we all have the same choices, but why does one choose one way and one choose another? Yeah. I mean, I would love more dads to choose to be engaged mm-hmm. 
And I don't know what the thing is, is to tell a 19 year old of, of how, you know, because you, I could have somebody in here who's like, I had the best dad in the world. And so that's why I am. Or I had a dad who's a dick and that's why I am. Mm-hmm. Or I had a great dad and I don't care and I'm a jerk. Yeah. Or I had a bad dad. Yeah, there's you know, no, just, there's no rhyme or reason a lot of times. Yeah. So it's like just digging into it a little bit, but I, I mean, I think that's good. So how old were you when you had your first kid? 28. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And how old were you when you got... Oh, so you were around 20 when you got married, though, right? I was 22. 22 when, I, when you got married. So mm-hmm. you guys waited a few years. Yeah, because Nikki went to chiropractic college, which is just insane amount of hours and all mm. that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, then we had Kayla at 28. And then we had Brielle 16 months later. A couple miscarriages. Raylan was six months... Six, six years younger than Kayla. And then a couple more miscarriages, and then Caden, and then boom, Caden and Isley are 15 months apart. So you had how many miscarriages? Four. How are you a husband to your wife during those times? I mean, the only thing you can be is present. That's the only thing. There's no words. There's no amount of flowers. There's no Bible verse. There's no, hey, your friend is coming over today to hang out with you. There's no thing other than just be there. And I think the ministry of presence is the most important ministry there is. Because hmm. if you call me and you're like, dang, I feel really down today, Ricky, I'm not going to freaking spout off John 13, 4. That's not going to make you feel better. But I'm like, hey, okay, you're feeling down. Where are you? Like, I happen to be, you know, down by Arden at the Taco Bell. I'm like, okay, I'll be there in 25 minutes. Stay put. You're going to remember the fact that I dropped what I was doing and drove down to hang out with you at Taco Dude, Bell. Dude, I wish I was that guy more often. You are that guy. Yeah. You've done that. Yeah, maybe. But, dude, you're right. Presence. So... So that's tough, dude. Yeah, but not as tough as like stillbirths or things like that. I don't want to make light of anything else. But yeah. But but I'm still just, you know, you mentioned it. So it's like, I mean, that that is something. Yeah. I mean, and she has names for all of them too. Because mm. one, one passed away on Thanksgiving. So that's Thanksgiving, baby. The other one passed away on Easter. So that's Easter. No way. The other one passed away um, during the World Cup. So that's World Cup, baby. And then the fourth one, I don't remember. But she has little names for all of them. So names like... World Cup and World Cup Easter. baby, Easter oh, okay. baby, Thanksgiving baby. So not like... Yeah. One of them was 13 weeks, which is pretty brutal for a girl. Yeah. Yeah. Not fun. Yeah. Not at all. It's but like then, but then here's the crazy thing. Like if any one of those four kids were born, pick one of my kids because one of them, any one of them wouldn't be here with the exception of yeah. Kayla and Brielle. Any one of them wouldn't be here. It's kind of gnarly to think about. It is. Okay, so Ricky, this has been just awesome. I mean, from the moment we sat down, we both love being dads, so mm-hmm. we're just kind of able to just jump in and just yeah. talk about fatherhood and yeah. daughters and all this good stuff. Um, so what led to us starting to talk about this 20 minutes ago was me asking you, what are you rebelling against? Mm-hmm. And you were kind of saying the victim mentality, in a sense. Out of that, what are you creating? I mean, I think we get a lot of the things yeah. you're trying to create in your home, but but... In your mind, what are you creating? Hopefully, I'm creating um, an environment at home that my daughters and son feel safe in terms of their dad not going to, he's not going to walk in the house drunk and smash a hole in the wall and stuff like that. Um, and and um, just uh, where they feel loved, mm. where they feel that no matter what they do, there's no shame in that. Like, no matter what you do, there's no shame. You, you might break the law, you might do something really horrible. But I'm not going to shame my kids mm-hmm. if they screw up. Like, we'll talk about it. They'll yeah. get punished and, and there's going to be there's repercussions. There's consequences But in you life. can't shame them. Like, the minute you start shaming your kid for doing something, they, 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 they get this, like, oh, that's taboo. I can't talk about it anymore. So mm, Afraid to talk to you. Yeah. Or so they're either going to keep doing it and not telling you about it, which is worse, or they're going to treat it like something they can't think about. So at some point down the road, it's going to come up again. So, Did you ever feel like you were shamed as a kid for anything? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you so, grew up in a Christian household, like, you know, there's just certain things, like, you just, and it's not just from your parents, it's just that, that culture and lifestyle. So, um, you don't have to use an example for yourself, but maybe with your kids, like, what's a way that people shame their kids you see? Uh, it, the easiest one to choose would be what I don't let my kids wear to school. They get shamed for not dressing like the other girls. So they do by the kids at school. The kids at school will say, you know, hey, Kayla, how come your dad doesn't let you wear these kinds of clothes? And then Kayla will come home and be like, I want to wear this halter. I don't know what I'm talking about because I don't know what these are, but halter top, crop top, whatever yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. How come I can't wear this, dad? Well, show me a picture of it. Oh, it's because, you know, there's 18 inches of stomach showing. That's why. Well, my friend's wearing it. I don't really care about your friend. I'm telling you, you can't. And here's why. And so then they go back to school. They're like, oh, and then, you know, it's really cool. So this will be a really quick story about shame and guilt. Um, Kayla's now in eighth grade. So sixth grade, I drop her off at school in the morning, like 20 minutes early. And I see her hanging out with her friends and I pick her up from school at the end of the day. And she's like, can I tell you a story, dad? I'm like, yeah. She's like, you have to promise you're not going to get mad at me. I'm like, oh boy. Okay. What? And she goes, well, when you dropped me off, all six of my girlfriends decided that they wanted to walk to Starbucks, which I know personally is about a mile away from the school. So they wanted to walk to Starbucks. One of the girls had $20. And they all went got coffee in the ass. So they could buy one drink? Yeah, exactly. One unicorn <laughs> share frat, <it>. frappe. <laughs> you had to put a down payment. <laughs> so so Kayla goes, don't get mad at me. And I'm expecting her to tell me she went, right? Yeah. And she's like, I thought about going. I'm like, uh-huh. And she goes, but then I heard your voice in my head say, Kayla, that's not a good decision. No way. And she didn't go. And I'm like, Kayla, why on <laughs> earth would you think I was going to be upset with yeah. that? Let's go to Starbucks right now. Oh, and I did. Heck, I took her yeah. out. I got her chocolate, whatever the heck she yeah. drinks. Still tastes, it all tastes like coffee to me. It's all disgusting. I hate coffee. Oh, that's funny. But um, like, had I shamed her and been like, yeah, you're damn right. If you would have went, I would have oh, beat your ass. There and, you go. Yeah. That's a great example, right? Because right? your response could have been, yeah, hell yeah, I would have been mad. Yeah. Versus. Or, or, uh, or even worse, I guess, would be you're not hanging out with them again. That would have been brutal. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, you can hang out with him. Continue making good choices. And until you make a bad one, fine. So what would you have done if she went? We would have talked about trust. And when I'm dropping you off at school or to hang out with your friends, I'm trusting that you're going to make good decisions, that you're not going to walk somewhere a mile away where I don't know that you're going to be at. So if God forbid something were to happen to that Starbucks, I wouldn't even know you were there. You know, yeah. I, I would be thinking you're at your school. So it, it would have it would have been a conversation about trust. So you wouldn't have said you can't hang out with them anymore? Yeah, I would have even told her I would have... No, not at all. And I would have said, hey, if you would have told me that morning, hey, dad, there's a possibility the six of us are going to walk to Starbucks. I would have said, okay, who, who's going? What are you going to get? And okay, maybe can I drive you guys? I would have I would have offered ways to maybe get them there. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Not that yeah. sixth graders need to drink Starbucks because they don't, but... No, but I get it. I mean, in high school, I would just tell my mom, hey, you know, I got good grades mm-hmm. stuff, so... I'm going to ditch and go wakeboarding with some friends. Yeah. And your mom would be cool with that. She was. Because she's wearing a shirt that says, when the going gets tough, the tough go drinking. <laughs> <She would be. laughs> My mom hasn't drank in like. That's literally the shirt she's wearing in that picture though. So your mom would not have cared that you ditched. Don't get high and mighty on me, Ned. <laughs> she's going to be, she's going to love that. Because she hasn't drinking in like, I don't know, 36 yeah. years And I don't think whatever. your mom's too fond of me anyway. So this is not going to help. <laughs> Why doesn't my mom like you? I don't know. Probably because you say shit like that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, so everybody, that picture is (laughs) in the desert. Uh, So there's a picture on my wall. I have all these pictures of family (laughs) and whatnot. And there's a picture. I'm probably four, which makes the the (laughs) t-shirt even better. We're standing in front of, like, who knows, like, the oldest Toyota Corolla you've ever seen. (laughs) 
my dad's wearing American flag shorts. Which is funny because you do the American flag picture every yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, and my mom's wearing that shirt, so, but there we go. <laughs> there we go. So you can cut class because your mom wore that shirt. Yeah, the point but I did ditch and not tell her. Oh. And she's pissed. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Like, but I get it. You know, yeah. that's like you're saying. It's the trust thing. Mm-hmm. And it's the same what I would do with my kids is trust me enough to have that conversation with me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to help you thought yeah. process it. Yeah. Um, Dude, this has been yeah. so good just talking about fatherhood. I mean, this the flow, like we both just love being dads. So we just jumped in and started talking and now it's been 52 minutes. And yeah, too long. People are like, get over it. Well, they probably, they probably aren't listening yeah. anymore. But right. <laughs> No, but uh, I just love that because I just wish more conversations about fatherhood in general like we had these. So as we kind of wrap this up, is there any kind of last thoughts? Because you're intentional about fatherhood. you got young kids. Is there anything else that you think would be valuable to talk about? Yeah, and again, this is go. something that when you asked me this five minutes ago was the first time I've ever thought of this. So what, what, you didn't prep me with this question is my point. So okay. this is very raw and natural. But um, my daughter, uh, I won't even say which one because I don't want anybody putting two together, had a sleepover at her friend's house a couple years ago. And she came home and she's like, Dad, this friend... Her mom said we had to go to bed at a certain time and we couldn't watch this movie. And my friend went in her bathroom and picked up a candle and smashed it against the mirror and shoved everything off the bathroom counter and went crazy because her mom told her she couldn't do something. Wow. I was like, okay, so, you know, we're not going to let you stay there again for at least a long time. and At least forever. At least forever. And and B, that's not, that's, you know, is that appropriate? My daughter was like, no, that's completely inappropriate. And, you know, C, blah, 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 what's going on over the house? Well, comes to find out that the two parents were about to separate so there's tension in the house so the, the, my daughter was you know 10 11 at the time this yeah. was happening so i told her i said look it, just when you're around that girl just be really kind to her you know like even if you don't like her shirt or whatever and she has food on her lip or whatever just be kind you know what I, so so here's my point my point is when that girl has now come to stay the night at my house because we become friends with this family yeah i'm overly nice overly good dad overly you get the first brownie. Mm. Like I want her to see exactly when she walks into my house to know that she's loved and that she comes first before my own kids because she's the guest. And that, mm, I, I, love that. I would hope to be a good example of what a father is because I'm not throwing her dad under the bus. I'm just saying that obviously what she did at the house is indicative of maybe the father yeah, situation the, not being what, great. So my point is what I'm trying to say in a long way in a short way is I would say to good dads, like when your kids have their friends over for sleepovers, go out of your way because you have no idea what's going on in that kid's home. Go out of your way to be maybe the only person in that kid's life to show them what a good father is. Because you don't know. They 14 years from now, they could be like, yeah, I stayed the night at Ned and Sarah's and Ned took us all outside and made s'mores. Yeah. And I'd never done that before. And he, he gave all of us a kiss on the forehead before we went to sleep. And my dad never did that. Like You have no idea what one night of being a good dad could could change for that for that kid so i would just say that and that's dude, the first time i've ever thought of that dude i love that yeah yeah i love it and i'm just going to throw something in as that i thought of as you're talking about that i see so just another like idea for dads is i see so many times that it's the dog it's the kids talking to the mom about going to a sleepover Right. So like you, you and my kids go sleep over at people's houses. Right. Right. And usually the moms are the one talking and working it out and whatever. I have made it a point 
to go meet that dad hmm. as much as I can nice. or know that dad or let him know I'm around and I exist yeah. or I'll be the one to go drop him over be like where's the dad I want to meet him yeah. and shake his hand and just be you know yeah show him your tattoos I'm here bro flex a little bit yeah just because I have no freaking idea sure what's going on right or who people are yep. I mean we're pretty cautious about who we're gonna let people Us stay too. the night yeah. you know um but I mean there'll be kids who've stayed the night at our house who just dropped him off you know and and Maybe they know us a little bit and they trust us. Or they or trust that your kids are so awesome that you're awesome too. Yeah, but they're still kids. You know, so I would just say to dads out there and even to remind myself is don't be too busy to pay the frick attention mm-hmm. and jump in the car with your wife to go drop your kid off at yeah, somebody's house. Right. To go walk in and, and say, hey, where is the dad's, you know, if he's sitting on the couch, you know, because I get it. We all work yeah. and we, we're kind of doing our wind down and something, whatever. Take the time. Go meet him. Shake his hand. Squeeze it hard. Let people know you're. Yeah. Let people know you're present. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really good, dude. Ricky, you are a great dad. Thanks. So are you. Um. Thank you. Our lives are still messy. We still make mistakes. Yeah. Our kids are still gonna make mistakes. Our kids aren't perfect. That's not what we're going for. We're just trying to live in that intentionality and and um knowing that there's other dudes like you. Like we've hung out probably twice in the last three years. Mm-hmm. This being one of two. Yeah. And. Just knowing that there's another dad who's waking up every day trying and being intentional and, and going after it. I think that's a lot of times what us as men need to know. Yeah. So I appreciate you. Your wife and your kids are blessed. And um, just keep it on going, man. Keep it up. And uh, I'm stoked to Thanks. know you. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. This is I, I've done a few podcasts. Uh, I'm on a podcast. Uh, this is This was a lot of fun. Nice. Not all of them go this this way, and I really I, we're at fifty eight minutes, or whatever. It's felt like ten. Yeah. Like it's so so fun to talk about things that we're passionate about, and it's awesome to be passionate about fatherhood. I love it, dude. Well, thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What another great episode! Just hearing from a dad who is intentionally living his life for and with his family. What you guys do matters. Our actions have impact. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, your spouse, and the community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's continue to rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. Fatherhood.